Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for all of our trials, our tribulation, our difficulties, our frustrations, the things that we're challenged by, the things that we know that deep in our hearts should not be a part of our walk, but we struggle with them. And we are always so happy when you bring us to a place where that we know that you have helped us, where we've continued to praise you even though we don't see any changes in our behaviors, when we know that the behaviors are not harmonious with your holy and precious will. And when deep, deep in our heart, more than anything, not necessarily because we feel that we fulfilled all of the things that, we, that you have written about us in our books, Psalm 139, verse 16, but because, as you know, Father God, and as it's been prophesied so many times, we're weary. And for us, Lord, as we distance ourselves as a measure of holiness in our deep-rooted in desire to be in your presence, to be in the light, for that light exists in us, and we wish not to put a bushel basket over it. We want to be able to show the light. But as you know, Father, particularly by the virtue of your scripture and how it's worded, that for us to be able to show the light is can be very difficult to do when we're surrounded by the magnitude of darkness that we are today. Father, we praise you for the grace that you have given us to be able to endure these things, even to the extent that we have, whether, whether it's been in perfect harmony with your walk and with the right attitudes and the, the right good feelings. Um, praise you, Jesus. And let me just go ahead and double check. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. All right. And, Father, we just want to thank you for your help because we need your help more than anything right now because now is the time, without any question, that we're getting closer and closer to that awesome moment that we can stand before the Son of God, our Lord Jesus, who we dream about, who we wish for, who we sing songs to when we take communion sometimes in the morning, hopefully as much as possible, before work. Father, we just lift up each one of our challenges, each one of the the feelings that jump into our mind that we know are not in perfect harmony with the Word, such as Titus 1, verse 15, where it says, To the pure, all things are pure. For, Father, we have to come to a place where we're able to walk amidst those things that are spoken of in Psalm 51. I'm sorry, Psalm 91. And not take it so personally. And that requires, it's a very difficult and and humongous challenge for many of us because through the love of Christ in our hearts, we see the things, the trials, the tribulations, the horrific um, behaviors that are occurring on the earth right now that are so phenomenally nauseating that it is exceedingly difficult for us to even be exposed to them, let alone be watchful, as you have told us, commanded us indeed to be. Watch ye, therefore, for we do not know when that, you know, for if we had known when the thief was going to enter the house, we would have been watching when we have not. And we don't want to miss. And we're not going to miss. Because we trust you, Father, with all of our heart. We trust you and we take peace from your trust. For in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, and we praise you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts you. 
And because of these promises, which we believe, we don't, we, in fact, we know that they're, they're true. We know that they're true, and sometimes we become dismayed, Joshua 1, 9. Sometimes we become dismayed because we expect instantaneous gratification from our prayers. And while you do that sometimes, Father, most of the time we're going through some sort of fiery trial. We're going through some sort of a test that we don't understand most of the time. And that fiery trial, as it continues, even in many of our walks today, is actually a good sign. As difficult as it is for us to endure, if we are going through fiery trials, then in accordance with your word, in accordance with the dynamics associated with the understanding that we would take away from your word, it must indicate that, and I don't want to say this in the wrong way, Father, because I say this with the greatest of humility and fear of hellfire in my heart, and I would never, ever want to veer off that running into your arms, that dynamic of running into your arms and having great faith that you're taking care of us, that we are in your hands, we are in Jesus' hands, and that we have to be guilty of an egregious crime against the kingdom, such as failure to forgive or calling a fellow brother or sister without a cause, you know, even with a cause, um, a fool. Because then we, as the scripture says, uh, we would be in danger of hellfire. And of course, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, which most most scholars don't understand, Father, as you know, Lord Jesus. They don't truly understand what that means. It almost seems that at any time someone would reduce the power of the Holy Spirit that's been bestowed upon us through the blood of Jesus, that that would be, and to suggest that it doesn't exist today, would be some form of blasphemy. But we don't know, and we pray, Father God, for those that um, live in that world and don't understand such things, especially those that are out preaching and teaching such things, such as cessationism. Father God, we pray, we hope so much that that is not the case. We hope so much that cessationism is not a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but merely a misunderstanding. But we recognize that it may be. We understand that these are sins of death, failure to forgive, calling a fellow brother a fool, and um, which is which I believe is in Matthew six five. I'll just double check. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me go ahead and pull that up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Sorry, Galatians. Uh, nope, nope, nope. It is. Um, I just had it up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, well, I just don't have it handy, so I'm going to continue, Father, and I just praise you where it says, Lord Jesus, where it says, I think it was Matthew 6, 5, but it might not have been. No, it was Matthew 5, 22. Let me go ahead and pull that up. Thank you for bringing that to my recollection. Matthew 5:22. But I say to you, Jesus said to us, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Now, of course, Father, we don't understand what that cause might mean. We don't understand what a, what a proper cause would be. And since we're commanded, indeed commanded, to forgive, lest our Father will not forgive us, then it almost feels like there is no reason to be angry with our brother ever, and that we should have forgiven them anyways. But it goes on to say, without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, 
shall be in danger of hell fire. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we praise you for pointing out to us, at least to some degree, we may not have them all figured out, but we know that Matthew 5.22, uh, that the scriptures where you warned us that if we, don't, if we fail to forgive, uh, then our Father will fail to forgive us and um, or, or not for, or choose not to forgive us, and also the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So those would be identified to us. Praise you, Jesus, through your grace, Father God, as sins of death. And your scripture does say that if we forgive the sins of any, providing that they're not sins of death, they shall be forgiven them. And Father, we praise you for that powerful and mighty gift because there are so many, so many that we do forgive. And we pray that they also do in return forgive us, even though sometimes they don't show that. But we're going to believe through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the promises of your scripture that these things shall be made manifest and the spirit of forgiveness will fall upon all of those who have taken offense, felt bad, um, you know, whatever the case may be, uh, like a soft October snow will just fall upon their spirit, soul, and their mind, and that we will be, re- re- we will be united because, it, as it says in the scripture, uh, that they, the, uh, the, those, the Gentiles, those outside of the body of Christ, will know us because of the way that we love one another. And we thank you for these revelations, Father, that we may be able to walk in your holy will and be able to practice uh, you know, living the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, against which there is no law. We praise you, Father, for helping us to understand that it is through the love of Jesus in our heart that is ever-growing to our sanctification process Through that love is where our behaviors change. For the brother of Jesus, James, says in his books uh, that um, faith without works is dead and works are behaviors. So if we truly have the faith of the living God and we uh, are walking in the word, which is Jesus, because we read your scripture and we practice these things, for he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, our Lord Jesus, is righteous, First John 3, 7. And we identify through self-inspection, aberrant behaviors, um, bad words that we might use because we're extremely frustrated at any given moment. Whatever the case is, Father, that we are in a constant state of self-examination and that we immediately confess of those things, and Father, before you, and that you will work with us, that you will move upon our spirit, move upon our mind, purify our hearts, and bring us to a place of righteousness, Father God, because we lift it up and we hold it before you. We lay it at the foot of the cross and we trust our Lord Jesus to bring us through these challenging things that are part of us being in the flesh part of us having to deal with such incredibly dark times that I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, Father, but I, I struggle to think that anybody that I've identified in the scripture, I mean, there's, there's new, there's, you know, statements that are made like as in the days of Noah and things like that, but I really don't think the days of Noah were quite as disgusting and horrible as they are now. I, I can't imagine that in the days of Noah, they had, uh, created um, a global network of uh, filthy Satan worshipers that um, 
steal little children and babies. I know that that there were uh, burnt offerings and things and horrible things, you know, with the mines, but that was in 1300 A.D. I go back into the times in the Old Testament times when when sacrifice offerings were given to Molech. And I know that they sacrificed babies back then, but I don't think, I don't know, I have no record in the Bible and no record historically that I'm aware of that indicates that they abused the children the way that they do now today. Uh, slicing them up like piglets, as was stated by the one Russian soldier. Freezing their little bodies inside of uh, containers so that they can be shipped around for uh, dissection. Um, stumbling across uh, hotels all across Ohio where they have hidden um, under uh, secret passageways out of the hotel rooms into underground um, tunnels, tunneling systems uh, where they can do horrible things. And Father, we know, we see the blackness, the black walls heading toward us. We know what they want to do to us. We know that they want to slaughter us. We know what the terrors are. They are so many people, so many of our fellow brothers and sisters. And we pray for them, Father God. We don't. We know that it's a very unpleasant walk to, for lack of a better term, to have taken the 1,000 milligram red pill, see these things, and wade through this dung, this cesspool full of dung, on a daily basis almost, because we do want to stay watchful. We do want to be aware and awake to the things that are happening, because if we're aware of the intensity and the magnitude of the horrible things that are happening across the world, we are also in tune with and aware of how close our departure is, which to us is the most glorious thing that we could ever hope for. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you always place it upon our hearts to look for that precious opportunity to be able to touch somebody else's lives, even if it's through prayer. And we should also remember in Jesus' name, and we pray for a revelation and impartation of your holy will upon us through the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus in us. For it is no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. An impartation of the presence of you, Father God, that you would help us to understand, help us to be able to see Help us to be able to um, embrace and know, know, and beyond, beyond believing, far beyond believing, but to know beyond any shadow of a doubt. We have no doubts, no doubts. Just like it says in James 1.5, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God who uh, gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given them. We won't read the next scripture, Father God, because that doesn't qualify for us. We are not tossed to and fro. We are not wavering on our faith. We come to you in faith or we wouldn't come to you at all. And we thank you, Father God, for recognizing that. And we ask you, as you continue to put us through the fiery fire and the trials and tribulations, help to bring to our recollection the understanding that probably millions and millions, if not billions, of our fellow brothers and sisters are not progressing in their sanctification in their walk. They're not going through fiery trials. They're not going through... Um, uh, uh, the refiner's fire. Help us to understand that that's a privilege. Help us, Father God, we pray through the impartation of the presence of the Holy Spirit and your wisdom, Father James 1.5, that it's a blessing to be going through the trials and tribulations that we are going through because it has to indicate something. Uh, I, and Father, maybe I'm wrong, and if I am, please forgive me, and I pray that you will allow it to melt down into a deep blue sea of your forgiveness and forgetfulness, and that shall not lodge itself into the remembrance of anyone's heart, and certainly not trouble their hearts. 
for we seek only encouragement in the times of darkness that we reside in now. But, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, through a supernatural touch of the Holy Spirit and the impartation of your glory and mercy and all wisdom. Thank you, Father, that we would understand that in, in, in the walk of sanctification, there are those who decide to dwell within their buildings and their gatherings, and they stay put. They pump the collection plate for their entire lives. They grow no more in their walk toward you. Or maybe they do, but they hunger and thirst for the presence of other people. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And Father, we just pray that they, um, those that are drawn to a point where they have no a complete loss of control, they're not able to help themselves but want to be in the presence of other brothers and sisters, which there is no, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But Father, we just pray that they don't get interlocked into this notion that they're in some sort of a place of safety simply because they're sitting in the pews on a particular day of the week. We praise you, Father God, for those who are in such places, particularly when their hearts are right with you. And we praise you, Father, because they can also set a, a powerful and mighty example upon the hearts and the minds of the others that are in that church, The if, if we might refer to them as the David Wilkerson um, uh, um trying to think of the name of the organization, uh, the David Wilkerson. Um, I'm having a little uh, little absent-mindedness, Father God, but the, uh, the folks that, Father God, have just come out of drug abuse uh, programs, the folks, Father God, that would not be able to tolerate the types of preachings of, um, you know, Lester... Um, uh, Oh, I'm trying to, well, I'm just dropping, I'm dropping bits like crazy, Father. It's been a really, really super hard week, and I just praise you, Father, for giving me the strength to be able to endure. Um, and, and Leonard, uh, oh, Lester, uh, Leonard Ravenhill. Thank you, Jesus. I was actually seeing his face, and I couldn't think of his name. Father God, they could not endure the, the teachings and the preachings and the, and the conviction that would come from somebody like our brother Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill. The, um, we praise you, Father God, because there needs to be a place, a place of entry into the kingdom for, for those who have just gone through such programs uh, and do not understand the commitment that's required and would be so intimidated by the preaching of someone like Brother Le- Leonard that they, they would give up. We want to embrace in our hearts and understand through the Spirit what it means in Job, I do believe it's 23, I'm sorry, Jude, I do believe it's 23, where it says, And some save with compassion, knowing the difference, but others save with fear, uh, 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 pulling them from the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Father, our discernment a lot of times is weak. And we need a strengthening of our discernment as well as a strengthening of our walk. For it says in Isaiah 40, 31, and we hold it up before you because we pray in Jesus' name, through your grace, Father God, that you will impart this renewal upon us. For those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, for they will mount up with wings of eagles, walk and not be, run and not be weary, and walk and not faint. Father God, we, we hold that up to you, and we pray that through your grace, you will renew our strength. And you wouldn't have to renew our strength if it wasn't drained from us. Would you? And yes, Father God, in accordance with so many of the prophecies over the last 12 years, we are weary. And to whatever degree that you have prophesied that through whoever it is we may have been listening to over the years, I think it's safe to say that it's probably many times a magnitude worse now 
than it was when those prophecies were released, in some cases as far back as 2013. As we listen to the things that are being projected into uh, projected at us from some of the most sinister evil, um, what will we say? The tares, these fallen seraphim, these entities that are able to manipulate the hologram, the, the uh, quantum mechanics, particle physics hologram that we're trapped in here. They're able to manip- manipulate mass, and they're able to take on the form of men uh, and lord over us. And they are, as you know, Father God, awful, sickening, and horrible beasts um, that are destined for the lake of fire. Clearly, strange flesh, clearly twice dead, horrible in all manner. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us to understand that our prayer is far more powerful than our words and that we can do little good with many. Why are we told not to cast our pearls before swine? Why are we admonished to judge not that we be judged? Why are we admonished and, and told so many things? Uh, you know, what, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Why do we feel that we have to speak forth things, admonishments and corrections to others when we're so much better off to entreat and to love with our heart and to go into prayer knowing that you, Father God, are able to answer? Worry is what we have when we think about things that we have no control about. Prayer is what we have when we know that we are giving it to our Father who has full control over all the things that we are concerned about. And Father, your prayer and the power of our prayers through the mighty name of our Lord Jesus, through an innumerable uh, uh, group of uh, verses all scattered all throughout the Scripture, and in particular the New Testament, the love covenant, the love covenant, where the bar was raised by our Lord Jesus Christ to give us a new set of behaviors, a higher standard to stand by, one that is driven entirely by love. We are not apostles that were hand-chosen by Jesus, sent out to speak on behalf of the Godhead and um, admonish the members of the churches. And even Paul, in, the, in, the, in his, letter to, his first letter to the Church of Corinth, felt bad about how strongly he admonished them, said so in his second letter. Father, we just need your grace more than ever before to be able to deal with the things that we have to deal with. And we need strength, the strength of Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, nor thou be dismayed, which many of us are, Father. Many of us are dismayed. We're dismayed that we're here. We cannot believe that we would be subject. But yet at the same time, what a blessing it is to be subject to such evil. And I say that. Because it takes a unique God perspective. It takes a perspective from, that would only be available from looking at things from the throne room. Understanding that at midnight we will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgment. Psalm 116 verse 15. Understanding that we will see a thousand fall to our left side and a, and a, and a ten thousand to our right, but it shall not come near us. For we will look with our eyes and see the rewards of the wicked. 
but also intermingled with the, with the scriptural wisdom of understanding that it reigns on the just and the unjust. And also Isaiah 51, uh, 7 verse 1, where you told us, Father, through the, our Isaiah, the righteous perish, but no one takes it to heart that merciful men are taken away. Well, no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil. Father, please place these scriptures upon each of our hearts as we see a thousand fall to our left hand and ten thousand to our right, so that we understand that your right your judgments are truly righteous, so that we understand that you are beyond any shadow of a doubt and without any question in our hearts, a very, very kind and incredibly patient and merciful Father, that is allowing the darkness to rise, to awaken your people. People that are eligible potentially to make it into heaven, they may be foolish virgins. They may not understand what it's like to be like Jesus. They may believe that they have rights under the, in, in the United States of Babylon the Great under the Second Amendment to have iniquity in their heart and be willing to commit multiple sins by pulling a trigger of a gun, murdering people over and over again for things that are of earthly cares. Even when we're admonished in the book of James that if we have uh, any love uh, for this earth, we are at enmity with you, Father God. We are at hatred. And to forget, Philippians 3.20, that, that our citizenship is in heaven, that we are sojourners, and that we should also strive, 2 Corinthians 7.1, to wipe out and wash away all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness through the fear of God. Help us, Father God, to understand that we are sojourners in this place and that our time is very limited. And, if it were, and Father, when we look at the entire body of Christ across the world, while we know that there are certain parts of the world that are always under great persecution, such as the Christians in North uh, Korea, who we know through the testimonies of uh, pastors who have defected into South Korea and, and told us, told us uh, that the North Korean uh, Christians who steal away in the middle of the night not to get captured and killed, meeting in places such as caverns and caves in the darkness. Pray for the Christians of the United States, knowing that is by virtue of our um, self-righteous notion that we have some sort of privilege simply because we support Israel, based on one scripture and ignoring all 31,102 other verses, sorry, 31,101 other verses of the scriptures from the Textus Receptus, forgetting that when a country behaves like this one has for indeed over 100 years, possibly longer, that is not okay, but it has. Father, forgive those Christians who do not understand these things. Forgive those, Father, who have fallen for the trickery of the seven mountains mandate. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for those who do not understand how the angel, I'm sorry, how the how the demons of darkness and workers of Satan in a spiritual realm that stinks to high heaven, its horrible darkness and just absolute filth that the angels do not even want to have to go through, that when we are not practicing and putting on the armor of God, that our angels will try to bring the answer to our prayer to us through that horrible stench and filthy darkness, but will frequently be attacked, particularly in the areas where we are the weakest in donning our armor of God. And then they can be detained, and that I envision it as a present, a gift of light 
that has come full of the power from your incredible throne room, Father. Glory light. Representative of the answer to our prayers. And as our angels move through that spiritual realm of filth, the demons of darkness and the workers of Satan attack the angel and attempt to detain it. And then, if they're able to detain the angel because the angel has no additional help, or, and, and the Christian who prayed the prayer did not pray through, so they don't have, uh, they don't, they, not only are they not practicing all of the uh, 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 spiritual requirements of the walk of sanctification and placing and putting on that full armor of God, but they're making their angels vulnerable that the angel would be detained and then the demons of darkness can steal away that light, that orb of light which they carry which is the answer to our prayers, which has the power of you, Father God, of the throne room of the living God, our Heavenly Father, who loves us so much. And they steal away that answer to the prayer. And then they have the power of God in their hands that they can use against us and against the person who is praying. So that when, when, they, rece- or when they receive the answer to their prayer, they're actually receiving it from a demon that is manifesting as a familiar spirit, which is responsible for the vast majority, well over 90% of our false prophecies, our false visions, and the things that the, unfortunately, our fellow brothers and sisters who've been tricked about um, the Seven Mountains mandate nonsense who we feel so sad for Father and so many of our fellow brothers and sisters who are just drawn they cannot they can't handle it they, they just simply don't have the emotional uh, um, makeup to be able to handle the magnitude of the darkness and the knowledge of the things that that you've imparted upon us while it is absolutely not pleasant to carry such a burden. Father, we just pray, you know, they go running, and, and we're not picking on them, but Father, as you know, they go running to the pillow prophets, as David Wilkerson warned against, just like it says in the in the Old Testament. Because they're looking for good news, they have itching ears. They don't want to hear sound doctrine. They don't want to understand that there's hellfire. They don't want to understand that there is uh, punishment for failing to live up to the, rec- the uh, commandments that we have been given through all of the New Testament. No wonder they'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's not because they're in hell. It's because they realized what they could have had. But they don't deserve because they were disobedient. Father, we understand these things only because of your grace. Because of your grace, you have helped us to come to a, a realization of how unbelievably important it is that we fight. We put on the armor. We fight as hard as we can. We comp- constantly self-examine and identify the things that we just feel in our heart are just not right. We hold. We lay them at the foot of the cross. We allow the precious blood of our Lord Jesus to fall upon us, which we do not deserve. And we ask you, Father, and we ask our Lord Jesus for help to take away that behavior and to adjust how we feel about things, to renew our minds and change them, to make us a new creation, 
That can only come from your holy hand, Father God. And we ask you to give us the patience of Abraham as he raised his hand over Isaac with that sharp knife in his hand, ready to thrust it into his body, only to be told at the last nanosecond to stop. Father, help us to understand that it is absolutely vital to pray through, to never give up, because by virtue of us praying through and putting in the effort of fervent prayer every single day, uh, we are able to operate under open heavens, and the holy fire of God is able to surround us throughout the entire day, and we we operate many times the magnitude more effectively because we have that extra power. There's no hindrance of our prayers, even if we speak in our native tongues. And Father, for those of us who do have the gift of speaking in tongues, help us to understand the revelation that you have given to us, at least through through my testimony, and I, I know that it's absolutely true because I lived it, that speaking in tongues is far, far, far more special than most Christians understand. I thank you, Father, for the people that have, uh, and, and, and the books that have been given to me, like seven, seven Reasons to Speak in Tongues or something like that. But, Father, I know what the real reason is. I know that it bypasses the ability of the demons of darkness and the workers of Satan in, this, in the thick stench of the spiritual realm of which they reside and of which our angels have to transverse to bring us the answers to our prayers. It, uh, when we pray in tongues, the prayers bypass. They cannot see them. They cannot attack that which they cannot see. Father, help us to understand the incredible power that we have when we speak in tongues because there is no possible way, even in the midst, even if we are not worthy, even if we're practicing awful, regular, habitual sin, praying in tongues will bypass the ability of the darkness to stop our prayers and go directly right into the throne room, to go to the front of the line, not just to sit in a stack of petitions, but to be recognized immediately. What a gift that is. Father, I thank you for the things that I have gone through uh, experientially that I'm able to share with others uh, those experiences that are proof positive beyond any shadow of a doubt that what I'm saying is truth, truth of Jesus. And Father, we praise you for that because, wow. You know, wow, to know that this is something that is such a a gift that we should all be hungrily seeking if we don't have it yet. And many of us have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but have not had the manifestation of speaking in tongues yet. And Father, we just praise you and help us, if you will, to seek that out. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that there are those who will reach out to me and send me an email at jbaptist777 at gmail.com, jbaptist777 at gmail.com, in the name of Jesus. If they want, want to learn to speak in tongues, because they very well may have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but not have had the manifestation of the gift of speaking in tongues. For you give us those gifts as you will, And we praise you, Father God, for the understandings that you have given us. And we also thank you especially, Father, because this is so material and uh, relevant to the days that we walk in now. That chastening is something that is given to those of us who are veering off the narrow path. Long enough that normal correction, spiritual awareness, twinges in our hearts, 
feelings that we get when we're behaving or thinking that way. As it says in 1 Corinthians 11, 28, 31, and 32, praise you, Jesus. And I'll bring this up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 1 Corinthians 28. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Oops. Must have typed it wrong. Hold on just a second. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 28. No, it's 1128. That's why. Father, we thank you for the scripture that the Apostle Paul included in, in the first letter to the Church of Corinth to help us to be able to understand some really complicated mysteries of the, of the Bible and our walks because we've broken away from churchianity. We've broken away from the cluster of sheep that we love as our fellow brothers and sisters, but we praise you for um, helping us to understand that we were stuck in a, in a place that would never allow us to grow closer to you and more intimate and to maybe even be potentially, and hopefully we are, eligible to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man, which would be at the wedding supper. Only through many heavenly testimonies would we come to the understanding that the vast majority of Christians who make it into heaven do not get to see Jesus, certainly not right away. That they are brought into the kingdom of heaven uh, in the outer suburbs or the outer environment, which is the shady area. So when we look at our scripture appropriately through study, we find out quickly that the outer darkness is actually a mistranslation. And in fact, it's referring to a shadowy area, which is found in the outer country uh, uh, suburbs where the country mansions are located. And the more disobedient the Christians were, if, they're, uh, if they are you know, death row inmates or whatever that have given their lives to Jesus at the last second, that they're going to be even further out, way farther, farther out than even the country mansions are, many of which will live in very relatively small abodes. And sometimes they will be like apartment complexes. And we thank you, Father, for the testimony. I think it was Joy, but I'm not sure. Uh, Hetrick, uh, that was with Odin Hetrick in the testimony of heaven, who explained that even the people that were out far out in those distant places, out, away from the city of God, Mount Zion, with an, innum with an innumerable company of angels and just men made perfect, the heavenly Jerusalem, Hebrews 12:22. Father, that even they were, be ha they were happy and, and full of joy because they were in the presence of the love of our Father, which is pervasive throughout all of heaven, and that the glory is so amazing. Father, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will help us to understand these things, because when we do understand the dynamics of the makeup of heaven and how it's structured, then we understand so much better scriptures like Luke 21:36, uh, where it says right after uh, the parable of the uh, of the um, I believe it's uh, of the olive tree uh, that uh, it begins to bud and its and its buds turn green and then that we should all know at that point what that we're in the season. Well, we do know that we're in the season. Luke 21 is part of the Olivet discourse. It's talking to only us. It wasn't talking to the 1836 group. I know they thought it was. It wasn't talking to the 1616 group, I believe it was, that thought the Great Tribulation was upon them. 
It was talking to us, specifically us, for we live in the time of the rise of the Antichrist. We know exactly who he is. Every single word in the book of Daniel that describes him, describes his behavior, his disdain for women, uh, the filth that is associated with the existence of this entity is poignantly called out, almost like reading a newspaper. We cannot avoid the fact that it is evident beyond any shadow of a doubt. And so we know. We know that we know that we know. And we praise you for that, Father God, because it reveals another, yet another mystery to our hearts. And that is that beyond 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, where Paul uses these words to admonish the people in the church of Corinth for, well, drinking a little bit too much wine when they should have been preparing to honor Jesus through the taking of communion, where he says, let a man examine himself. And and that's a fascinating way to start it out, because if we take it, if we do what churchianity tends to do because of the misguiding and the inappropriate teaching of your Bible to those who attend Bible colleges, they're told that context is everything, when in reality, context robs you of the ability to spiritually understand what the, what the intent of that scripture meaning is, and how the actual meaning, when extrapolated out of the context, explains mysteries of the Bible that it, with that when we are armed with that understanding, help us to be able to walk in the walk of sanctification to a place that we could have never arrived at if we continued to pump a collection plate for the sake of a parking lot. But let a man examine himself. And then if we take the context where he's admonishing them for dipping into the sacra- sacra- sacramental wine before you know they uh, worship Jesus through a holy communion, He said, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner gets drunk, and he drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So their behavior was such that they were essentially sucking down the wine before it was time to have communion, getting tipsy, uh, you know, and not respecting the fact that they were about to have communion. But the beauty of this scripture is amazing when we take out the context where it says, and so let him drink, uh, so, so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Oh, Father, we praise you for helping us to take in. We're going to extract, we're going to pull out that context because that context, while it is relevant to the admonishment of Paul at that moment in time, is not relevant for us when we are trying to discern the meaning, the, mis- the mystery behind what Paul is communicating to them. Yes, he holds up. He holds up the, uh, the sin of disrespectfully taking communion. He does. But he reveals mysteries wrapped around that particular sin. So what we are clearly able to do through your Incredible wisdom, Father, that we could only receive through you supernaturally by the presence of the Holy Spirit and our King in our heart. Is to pull that part out because we could substitute any sin. It doesn't just have to be eating of the bread and drinking of the cup. We can substitute in any sin and it would be relevant to the words that are wrapped around it. 
And so we learn a wonderful mystery, and we praise you, Father, for this. So it says, without the context, let a man examine himself. Because when they don't examine themselves, verse 30, many will become weak and sick amongst you, and many will sleep. In other words, you will die early. Wow. So when we walk into a church or an ecclesia and we see so many sick and so many weak and so many struggling and people passing away when they shouldn't have, and all these things that are happening, for let a man examine himself. When he doesn't examine himself, when you don't, many of you are weak, you're sick, and you're dead. Verse 31. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Again, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But again, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I don't know if there's a single person out that would be listening to this program, Father, that wants to be judged. Judge not that ye be judged. I don't want to be judged. I want to be the recipient of the promise of Isaiah 43:25, where you said, Father, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Father, I pray that every single person who is listening to this program, every single person who's ever been touched by any of these prayer vigils, uh, by any of the programs even, Father God, uh, past, present, or future, in the name of Jesus, will have a witness upon their spirit that helps them to understand the value of separating themselves from the herd that is stuck in a rut and won't grow any closer to you because that rut is a place of comfort for them. Thank you for revealing to us that if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. If we would make the course correction on our own, if we would hand and lay at the foot of the cross the behaviors that we feel deeply in our heart that we should not have in our heart, and lay them at the foot of the cross and and say, Father, help me. Help me not do this anymore. Help me not feel this way anymore. Help me not get upset and angry. Help me not be frustrated. Help me not be like this, because I know it is not like Jesus would be. I just know it in my heart that it's not like Jesus would be. And if it isn't like Jesus, because we're supposed to put on Christ, and where it says for us to put on Christ, and I'll have to look that up, praise God, thank you, Jesus, that we are supposed to put on Christ Bible. There we go. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires, Romans 13, verse 14, Romans 13, verse 14. When you look up the words, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Greek is translated by the Strong's, uh, uh, by the Advanced Strong's uh, and uh, uh, Bible Dictionary as to put on like a cloak or garment, to enrobe ourselves with Jesus, to literally become Jesus. And with your help, Father God, that we know that you will give us, and I am living testimony that you will. I'm not perfect. You know that, Father, better than anybody. And boy, do I struggle a lot of times. Every time I think that I get to a place where I somehow came to a new plateau, that holy hammer of God comes down from heaven and corrects my thoughts. Thank you, Father. Um, But 
we praise you for helping us to understand these things. And then it says in verse 32, 1 Corinthians 11, but when we are judged, okay, remember it said, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Because when we judge ourselves and we detect something that isn't right, what do we do? We give it to God. We ask for help. 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 And then we give it to God and we praise him. We keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on reverently knocking. We do not stop asking. We become the persistent widow of Luke 18. And every single day we bring it before you, Father, and we say, take away this behavior in the name of Jesus. I give it to you. I don't don't want it anymore. Help me to make my help me to bring my help me to bring to arrive in my walk to the place where I need to be that I am walking in your perfect and holy will, Father God. Uh, take this away from me in the name of Jesus. And every morning when we wake up and our feet hit the ground, we raise our hands and we praise you because we know that you're going to take it from us. We praise you and we praise you and we praise you and we will not stop. The persistent widow will not stop praying until that prayer is is answered. And indeed, Father God, we will probably pray on beyond the point of the prayer being answered because we understand that we are weak and our sin is always before us and in sin our mothers conceived us. Cleanse us with your hyssop and make us whiter than snow in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, it goes on to say, and we praise you, Father God, for these words because they are so mighty and powerful. But when we are judged, because we didn't examine ourselves and we didn't judge ourselves, but when we are judged, by our Father, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. So, Father, we praise you for the chastening of each of us at the different times in our lives when we have gone through such chastening, being essentially taken behind the barn and corrected. And yes, as the scripture reveals, uh, it's a good thing because if you didn't love us, you wouldn't do it. If you didn't love us, you wouldn't chasten us. But Father, we also recognize that after we go through that, we have to go through the fiery fire that is to try us. That fiery trial, that burning out of the dross, that Meshach, <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment that many of us walk in. Father, give each of us the courage to be able to get on our knees and fervently seek you and to say, take away whatever it is you need to take away from me. Father, I would prefer that I could live in a dwelling place. I would prefer, while not promised to me because we are not greater than our Lord Jesus Christ, we are not greater than our master, who had no place to rest his head. And we also note that in your scripture you have given us no promise of a dwelling place. Father, we praise you and we thank you for hearing our prayers. We ask you if it is at all possible, and we believe Matthew nineteen twenty six, where it says, With God, all things are possible, that if it is possible... The, how deep we are into the tribulation. I hate to call it the tribulation period, but into the um, exceedingly dark days prior to the great tribulation, the seals, the sorrows period. Indeed, we are in the sorrows period. We are not at the beginning of sorrows anymore. I do not believe that, and I believe, Father God, you have placed witness upon my heart. Thank you for the prophecy that you showed me earlier today that revealed that we are in the period of sorrows now. 
which means that we are in the midst of the six seals, which means that Jesus did open all of the seals. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. That you went and snapped all those scrolls open. Snap, 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 and opened them all so that they could roll out in parallel because the fourth seal is being unrolled right now. All the things that are, you know, the, the pale horse and his name is death and a quarter of the earth will be affected. Well, what's a quarter of the earth? It's the European Union. It's Canada. It's the United States of Babylon the Great. It's Australia. It's New Zealand. Uh, it's, uh, it's the European Union. That's the quarter of the earth to which the, the fourth seal is, is referring to. It's so clear. And that is the part of the earth that is being taken down by the Antichrist right now. And all of the minions of darkness and the fallen seraphim that shapeshift and pretend that they're humans when we know that they're not. Thank you for revealing that to us, Father. Thank you for helping us to understand that it's not about... It's not about the understanding of the wheat and the tares parable is so much deeper than we could have ever imagined. And that this is strange flesh. These are twice dead. They don't have a shot. They are going straight to the pit and then cast into the lake of fire. And they know that. And so many of them are deceived by Satan to actually think that they're going to rule and reign in the kingdom of darkness beyond these days, tricked into believing, Father God, that you're just an annoyance known as Adonai. Tricked into believing that the true God, the true architect of the universe is Lucifer, when in reality, he hates them just as much as he hates everyone else. And he especially hates us because we are the judge and jury for him and all of his minions of darkness. And Father, I admit, I admit, and if there's anything out of line with this feeling, please forgive me, but I admit that I look forward to the day that I can point my finger from that jury box at every one of these entities of filth and command, I'm sorry, into, uh, uh, let's just say, into vote that they be cast into the great, uh, into the lake of fire and face the second judgment. There's so much that we do not understand, Father God, and we just pray that you continue to fill us, overflow us with, with love. Help us to understand that prayer is far more powerful than anything that we can say. Help us to understand that if we're going through refiner's fire now, after all that we've been through, that's a pretty cool thing because it's definitely an indication. Seems to me anyway. Correct my heart, Father, if I'm wrong about this, because I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I really don't. But I praise your holy name, Father God. I praise you, Jesus. And I feel so powerfully and deeply in my heart that if we're being refined still, even to this day, by the refiner's fire, that there must be a reason. And that reason is a holy and righteous reason. And it's not necessarily because we haven't come to where you want us to be. It's not necessarily because we're not in that level of purity that you call out in Ephesians 5.27. For Jesus comes for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she should be holy and without a blemish. Father, we pray Luke 21.36 and we ask you, we do indeed pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before Jesus at the wedding supper. Because Jesus is in Mount Zion. The wedding supper and the tables are set in Mount Zion behind 
what many refer to as the pearly gates, that some who have been there testify are over 150 feet high and layered. And to be actually brought in to such a glorious place where there is no shadow of turning because the very glory of God in the throne room lights up that entire the entire Mount Zion, the entire area, continuously, there is no shadows. There is no shadow of turning. It is just glory light lighting up everything, 24 by 7. I can't even say 24 by 7, 365, because it's irrelevant to heaven. If heaven is located on a planet like so many have testified, Father, which I believe is true, and probably almost for certain is multidimensional in its nature, then seems that it would be that, that Mount Zion and the glory light that fills the entire place where all the city mansions are located, the Crystal River flows from the throne room. Where the um, where all of the patriarchs have their abodes, where it's so amazing to even think about it and to realize that those tables are set waiting for us to 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 map to map maybe that's the right word father but for us to be able to map why to ask the question why why would we have to go through additional fiery trials why would we have to go through more of the refiner's fire and knowing that we are fervently laying before you all of our behaviors that we have prayed fervently on our knees before you and said father if you need to burn down my house burn it down if you you know whatever it is that you need to do just go ahead and do it let us not miss. Help us to continuously recognize that what we're doing right now is contributing to our eternity. That we are, yes indeed, praise you Jesus, on a fast pass, a, a fast, fast track. That's the right words. A fast track to acceleration in ruling and reigning with our Lord Jesus in the hierarchy and that based upon our inheritance and rewards, we will land at some place in that hierarchy and ultimately rule and reign with you. And Father, I, and Lord Jesus, I just praise you for revealing to me that my hunch that I had regarding, um, regarding uh, the new Jerusalem being adorned as a bride that that seemed to me that it might indicate that the bride in her transformed body where we are like Jesus, light beings, minor gods, as Jesus said in John 10.34, have I not said in your law that ye are gods, which maps back to Psalm 82 and our judgment to die like men. We praise you, Father. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father, for revealing these things to the hearts of babes. We thank you for helping us to understand that if we do, if we are going through a continuous refiner's fire, which many of us are, kind of looking over our shoulders a little bit as we go through our day, 
understanding that we have targets on our backs that are the size of Antarctica. But we also have your divine protection, the protection of the angels and your holy fire, providing that we pray in such a way. Not that it makes us completely invulnerable, because unlike Jesus, we will never be entirely sin-free, but only by your grace. And you finding us worthy to escape all these things, because we pray continuously from the bottom of our heart, because we want to be part of the bride. We don't want to be guests at the wedding supper, Father. We don't want to be guests. We don't want to have had to have come through all the things that we came through. Yes, wrought with mistakes. Yes, wrought with regrets. A whole life sometimes of things that we wish we never did. But we're believing that you will not remember our sins and that we will contend together. Isaiah 43.25 We thank you, Father, and we praise you for this awesome opportunity to recognize that the fiery trials that are to try us right now are indeed the refiner's fire. And if we're still being refined, how come? That can only mean that we're clearly eligible to be part of the bride of Jesus Christ. And we praise you for that eligibility. And we will continue to strive as hard as we can to examine our hearts, to lay at the foot of the cross the things that we do not feel good about. We ask you to reveal to us things that you do not care for. Do it in an aggressive manner, we pray, Father God, as you have with me several times where you've spoken almost audibly, very, very audibly. I mean, it's, you know, I, don't, I want to say aud- almost audibly, but clearly it was you. There is no question in my my heart. I knew I knew it was you telling me what you needed to tell me, and um, I just want to thank you, Father, for my very, very, very hard, 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 hard walk. Not so hard when I believed in once saved, always saved. The greatest lie from the darkest and deepest pits of hell. <sighs> But in the journey that I've gone through since, that it was indeed wrought with some of the most, I don't even know how to put it, things that many people would have ended up in a psychiatric ward if they had gone through. Yet, I still go through them to some degree. And I praise you for that. And I praise you for every one of us that are. Because by virtue of that becoming part of our lifestyle, we can only assume that you're continuing to refine us so that maybe there will be a greater place in the kingdom for us to serve in all eternity. A greater place. That this accelerated class that we're in right now will have great meaning We praise you, Father, for this opportunity, and we thank you, Lord, for bringing us through, for helping us to be able to deal with the magnitude of the darkness and do it with grace. To help us, Father God, in Jesus' name, 
to see a thousand drop at our right hand or whatever, our left hand or our right hand and 10,000 to our other hand and knowing that it shall not come near us, but we will see with our eyes the judgment of the wicked, remembering that when those nuclear bombs go off, if we're even here for that, which I don't think we will be, I really don't. I believe with all of my heart, Father, and I may be wrong. I know I might be wrong. I know I might be. But I believe based on your scripture and being utterly submerged in prophecies, dreams, visions, probably 7,000 radio shows by now in the last 12 years, incredible guests that were anointed, many, many people taken to heaven. Wow. Testimonies that could be heard nowhere else. Revelations that would be realized only through those who are hungry for understanding the deepest mysteries of our scripture and existence. To be able to embrace fiery trials, even today, wondering to ourselves, to what, to what end state? For we know the thoughts that you think about us, not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of good, to bring us to an expected end. Far be it for us, Father God, to try to guess what that expected end might be, except that we all strongly, powerfully believe, hope, through faith, that it's to stand before our King Jesus, to actually stand before him, to stand right there before him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for even considering us, for we are wretched, unholy. We are tax collectors, renting our robes, hanging our heads with a contrite spirit. We pray that only through your mercy you will bring us through these things, correct our course, strengthen our walk, allow us to hold the sword of the Spirit, knowing that you will be with us whithersoever we go. In Jesus' name we pray, and thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Father. We praise your name. Hallelujah. All right. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right. Glory to God. So tonight is Saturday, September the 9th. Last night was Friday, and I had a power outage. And, uh, Please, again, if you feel led, you know, if you're not receiving the emails, please send me an email message to jbaptist777 at gmail.com and let me put you on the email list. And do also recognize that Tribulation Now has been around for a lot longer than other ministries have, uh, other end times ministries that are focusing on these types of things. Um, Now, there are some that have been around longer, um, but very few. And... um, the the only reason I bring that up is because the longer that you are out there, the more your uh, internet reputation is detected by internet. What's known as internet reputation blocking services. Um, they use terms like a DNS sync. Uh, there's other terms like reputational filters. 
But what happens is uh, if I put your email in the email list, which is actually injecting it into a very expensive marketing email package that I buy from GoDaddy, cost me like 35 a month because I'm not going to pay the 400 and something a year. Um, it's just too big of a bill to get unexpectedly. But um, I'll put it into the system. Now, if you still don't receive it after that and you check your spam folder uh, and you don't see it, then um, it got picked up somewhere else. Maybe your Internet service provider, who knows. But the longer that you're out there doing this kind of work, I can tell you right now that not only here, not only did the company that I work for now, but the company that I worked for prior to, to now, both of them had tribulation-now.org filtered. You couldn't get to it from the inside of the company. It was considered naughty, naughty, pants on fire. So, um, you know, I take that like William Booth did when he was talking to the people in the original Salvation Army marching down the street and, you know, being Jesus in front of some of the most unfortunate, filthy, and incredibly, unbelievably poor and degenerate people on the earth, spitting and doing horrible things to them. General Booth said, wear it as a badge of, of honor. Don't wipe it off. Wear it as a badge of honor, he said, to those who marched with him in the very early founding days of the Salvation Army. I don't even think about what they are today. I don't. It's really just not something that even crosses my mind. I don't care. But anyway, I know that their original origins, like the original church, by the way, was very pure, very holy, very righteous, very rewarded by God. And um, we don't have those things today. Not on this planet. Not on this planet. I know there's people out there that think they have a wonderful church. That's okay. They can. And I'm not going not gonna to ruin it for them. <laughs> if they invited me to come and pay, paid all the expenses, I said, please come to my church. <laughs> Last time that happened, uh, the Spirit of God came over me, and well, let's just say there was a blackout in the church. Not one, but two extended blackouts in the church after I admonished them and walked out of the church. But uh, I don't want to ever have to go through that again. Uh, I was just uh, uh Anyway, the, the people in that church needed to be woken up really fast because what they were having was a black mass without even knowing it. The bands that would stand on, they painted all of the walls black I could give you the name of the church and precisely where it's located, but I won't. Paint it all. Can you imagine painting the walls black? And having a rock band for praise music? Never ever mentioning the name of Jesus. Never even saying his name. It was one of the creepiest experiences I've ever had in my life. But I know that there are people out there that believe that they have a wonderful church and a wonderful pastor, and I'm not saying that they don't, because I know that there are few and far, they're few and far between. They're out there somewhere, but it's really, really rare that anybody finds them. And one of the challenges is that quite frequently, even when they do find such a church, usually a very small gathering, under 50. 
they still have incorrect beliefs, like once saved, always saved, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's, a, you know, again, it's, you know, it's not for us to judge. We're not about judging. We're not calling out anybody's names. Um, I don't know if I shared this with you before, but I'll, I'll real quick, I'll just share it one more time. I got a call. For those of you who remember, we used to do a, a divine healing and uh, deliverance show with Pastor Aaron Wagner for a while. And um, But anyway, Pastor Aaron, um, you know, we stopped doing the, 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 that show because um, it waned in popularity and we weren't getting enough callers to make it worth anybody's while, um, which is kind of sad, but that's a testimony of the days that we live in right now. So we went ahead and agreed to go ahead and kind of let it go kind of thing. That was cool. You know, I didn't, you know, we, we moved on and went on to do things that we could do for the Lord that were more fruitful and more, uh, you know, aligned to the days that we live in right now, um, which is fine. This is a wonderful thing. But what happened was he went on to do his thing out on the West Coast, of course. And, um, you know, I just kept on doing tribulation now, as I always do. And um, one night I was sitting in my my living room. It was a Saturday night, and of course I was alone, because I always am. <laughs> and um, the uh, he, the phone rings, and it was him. And uh, again, you know, probably like 8.30 on a Saturday night. A very unexpected ringing of the phone. And I picked it up and said, you know, of course, naturally, hello and everything. And um, he was like, hey, John, this is Aaron. Um, I'm at a uh, Todd White uh, revival in Orlando. And uh, and he's like, uh, Bethel paid for the whole thing, and I got to go along with it, and, you know, yada, yada, and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, amazing things are happening, and people are going out in the spirit, and it's just a, a powerful, powerful blessing. But we're having a problem. Uh, Todd, Todd is trying to cast demons out of this particular person on the stage. We've been casting demons out of people all night long, and it's been going great. And people are getting delivered. People are accepting Jesus. They're falling to the ground in tears. It is an amazing thing. But we have this one girl, and we can't get the demons out of her. And I said to him, that's because she's S-R-A-D-I-D. You can't just walk up to an S-R-A-D-I-D, a satanic ritual abuse victim, and say, Demons of darkness, I bind and cast you out in the name of Jesus. Go! It won't work. It won't work. They've been traumatized multiple times, and their soul has been split into individual rooms known as altars. And there were satanic rituals, ceremonies performed upon them, where there are exceedingly powerful walk-in demons that exist in those altars. And they will murder you. They will kill you. They have assignments. And a second that that person attempts to move away from those assignments, they put a hit on them. They kill them. So there's essentially no escape for that individual, with the exception of once they get past the age of 35, especially when they get into their early 40s, they start to lose their programming. They start the satanic programming that was performed upon them begins to fade and memories start to return. And if they get the right counseling and they get the right deliverance at that moment and they continue forward with that deliverance, over time, the right type of deliverance specialist can get the demons out. But it is a very challenging task and takes a lot of work and a lot of time because sometimes there's hundreds of them 
uh, these demons that are inside of each altar, each soul room. And it's a long, drawn-out process of each one of the personalities. It used to be called multiple personality disorder. Um, for good reason, because when the altar manifest as a demon, they are they're not they're not core. And core is what's referred to as the original individual. Core is the original individual. Oftentimes core is a beautiful person who loves Jesus. Their, their core personality is just a gorgeous individual. It's the altars where the demons reside. And they don't have a lot of control, or really very little, if any, control over when they, when they flip into an altered state. Because they're under control of the incantations of the witch covens that control them on behalf of Satan. These are their um, uh, weapons of mass destruction, really, when you think about it. These um, super soldiers, these... Um, mass murderers, these um, sex slaves, these people that have been victimized for the purpose of working and doing specific duties on behalf of the kingdom of darkness, Satan. Why they do that to them? They need that army to do that stuff. They ha these are their soldiers. These are the ones that they send out to kill people, to kill Christians, and do other things, like shoot up theaters. And all that kind of stuff. But it's good for us to be aware of it. And I told Pastor Aaron Wagner that's what he was dealing with. And he had an aha moment. And he was like, oh. And then he kind of cupped to say, as I recall, he was like, John, you won't believe what I'm seeing. You won't believe what I'm seeing. Now, I have to assume that he, since he was standing behind the stage where Todd White was with thousands of people in the audience behind the curtain, I have to assume that he didn't want to be heard by the individual that he was telling me about. So I, my estimation would be, or I would imagine that, he would have been at this time walking away from that particular individual who he was telling me about. And he said, you won't believe what's happening right now back here. And I'm like, what? And he said, I'm standing just a few feet from Benny Hinn, and he's on his knees bawling, heaving cries to God, begging for forgiveness for, for prosperity doctrine. And therein lies the reason why we are never, ever allowed to judge another Christian, particularly in public. Because when, not if, but when that person repents, you're standing there holding the bucket of evil dung. And Jesus will judge you. Because the person who repented is covered by the blood of Christ in John 1, 9, where it says, If we confess of our sins, he is faithful and just, our Father is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We must always avoid. Don't even judge. Don't even think to judge. Entreat, like Paul said. Be loving. Recognize that the power of your prayer 
is so much stronger than you could ever imagine. Stop trying to think that just because you're not seeing miracles that your prayers are not going to be answered. That's the number one biggest mistake that anybody that is a practicing Christian makes. They don't see miracles. They don't see immediate answers to their prayers. So they just stop praying which is completely against the Word of God. So please remember these things, I pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that it just melts into your spirit and empowers you so that you understand that rather than casting your pearls before swine, rather than looking for that next fight and creating division amongst the brethren, which is an abomination unto God, Proverbs 6, 16, 17, these six things the Lord hates, Yea, seven is an abomination unto him, and the seventh one just happens to be creating division amongst the brethren. And then, of course, you have the warnings in Galatians 5.19, where it says, Contentions and dissensions avoid. Just stay in love and recognize how powerful your prayers are, and take it to God. For with God, all things are possible. Again, tonight is Saturday, September the 9th of 2023. Praise you, Jesus. The time now is 8.25 p.m. Wow, thank you, Father. 8.25 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. And the Hebrew date is 23 of Elul, 5783 tonight. The Hebrew, oh, and tonight we light the Sabbath candles, or if you prefer, the Shabbat candles, or if you prefer, uh, the Jesus candles. <laughs> Romans 14.1, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 14 sets us free of all of the, these things, and so do other scriptures as well. We aren't controlled by what we can eat. We're not controlled about what day of the, the week that we seek the Lord or, or dedicate to Him. And we can have, every day can be a Sabbath to, to our Father. It, it, we're set free from that bondage. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, and, and we, we should praise Jesus for that. Every day can be the Sabbath. Every day ought to be the Sabbath. If you're in love with your Father, the greatest, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God. And by the way, this is echoed all throughout the Old Testament and the New. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Are you even close to being obedient to the first commandment? How much do you love our Father? Ask yourself that and be honest. It's not something you have to speak at a podium over. Ask yourself how much you love our Father. Do you love Him enough to truly and deeply care what He's concerned about? To truly and deeply care that He needs you to do wonderful and kind, loving works now. To set that example of Christ, to change people's hearts, not by the flapping of your lips, but by showing people love. A wagging finger saves no souls, but prayer 
saves millions. The Hebrew Kadesh. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Borei peri hagafen Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Asher kitshanu b'mitzvotav v'ratzavanu V'shabat kodsho v'yavahu v'ratzon in Chilanu, Zikaron Lemase Vereshit. Ki Huyom Techila Lemikra Ekodesh, Zechelitziat Mitzrayim. Kivanu vacharta, veotanu kidashta, mikol hamim. Veshabat kodshecha, beava uvratzon, himchaltanu. Baruch Adonai Mekadesh HaShabbat. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, our mind, our souls, our spirit, and our flesh, our record-keeping books in heaven, and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood and Father, your holy fire in Jesus' name. We praise you. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes, those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship, for they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them for me? We will do it together.
nor language, living in such places as the lot of each of them has determined, and following the customs of the natives in respect to clothing, food, and the rest of their ordinary conduct, they display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own countries, but simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others, and yet endure all things as if they are foreigners. Every foreign land to them is, their, is as their native country, and every land of their birth as a land of strangers. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws, and yet at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They are reviled, but they bless. Try to find a group of Christians like that out there today. Let us be like that. That's how the early churches were. When Paul was going from place to place. The 20th century was the 1900s. The 18th century was the 1700s. How that all works, I've never really, it's always befuddled me. But it's fascinating. 20th century, 1900s. 1998 is in the 20th century. Right? Okay, so then when's the second century? It's the 100s. Got it? So that's fascinating because that would have been the 100 years after, well, it would have been the first 33 years or so of that 100 years would have been when Christ was on the earth doing his ministry, you know, give or take. And then, um, and then the rest of that time would have been when the apostles were doing all the things that they were doing. My understanding is that the first building-based church did not exist until 300 A.D., and that they did like the Amish do today and gathered at each other's houses. So the church of, uh, you know, um, Ephesus gathered together wherever, you know, who knows? Maybe they went to some kind of, a, you know, a golden corral <laughs> or whatever. But, you get, you know, you kind of hopefully you understand where I'm coming from. And they just encouraged one another. They didn't have a you know, anyway, it's it's just fascinating to imagine what it must have been like to be amidst real Christianity, true brotherly love. I'm not saying that the Amish are perfect, because they're not. I'm not saying that the Mennonites are perfect, because they're not. Okay? <laughs> but compared to the rest of the people in the world, <laughs> you know, pretty significant difference, praise God. Anyway, so um, I think that's just absolutely beautiful, and I'd like to be reminded of it. All right, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. All right. Okay, at this time, I think it's probably appropriate for those of you who do have anointing oil. I am going to, I just got some new anointing oil from Lindsay Pierce. It's called Holy Spirit. I love how it smells. Mm, just absolutely awesome just came. Actually, it came Friday night, and I was excited about using it, and then the internet went down, and I was all frowny. <laughs> Pretty not happy about that. All right, Father, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Ah, oh, it smells glorious. <clears throat> Could take a bath in it. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, I consecrate myself into your complete ownership. I consecrate myself into your hands, Lord Jesus. I praise you, Father, for you alone are worthy. Thank you, Father. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we exercise the rule of the victor over any demonic region that would set its will against us. We exercise the rule of the victor over any demonic regions that permit these spirits to enter through their territory for the purpose of coming against us. We command it to be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all of their books and artifacts of sorcery. We require the immediate reversal of all of their schemes and cancellation of their assignments against us. Penalties applied. We cast them into the pit in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and purify us in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we decree that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ its Lord and Savior, that at the moment that it sets its will against us, it shall be immediately struck by the holy fire of God into screaming and horrific agony, making a public spectacle of them in accordance with Colossians 2.15 in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to swirl around our dwelling place. In the name of Jesus, we plead, Father God, for the assignment of eight-foot-tall warrior angels, mean, strong, Warrior angels, impenetrable, to stand guard at the front of our households in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We declare the holy fire of God to purge all evil out of our household, to shut all, burn, burn, completely shut all demonic portals in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. To vaporize all earthly and spiritual weapons in Jesus' name. To destroy and vaporize all demonic contracts, all demonic uh, agreements in the name of Jesus. And we declare the holy fire of God to shoot down from the heavens and to burn the entities of darkness that were behind them in the first place in Jesus' name. And we declare in Jesus' name the dispatch of warrior angels to descend upon them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, to cast them into the pit and to seal them there by the blood of Jesus Christ. We plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut and to permeate the pit and to burn them in the screaming agony. For we have come to punish you before your time. For greater things than these will we do. Because our King Jesus has gone unto the Father. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus on behalf of each and every one of us. We pray that you will assign a platoon of warrior angels, special Delta Force angels, Father God, that are specially, Father, designed, that you have designed for the sole purpose of protecting your people. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will assign them to us, that their sole purpose is to ferret out all indirect attempts to come against us, all indirect threat vectors, Father God, to shut down all demonic portals, to make good eyes blind, good ears deaf in the name of Jesus, to listen in on all conversations at our workplaces, to thwart any conversations that would, be, that would give us any grief whatsoever, Father God, to enter into our customers' uh, offices, Father God, and to persuade them through the power of the Holy Spirit to love us and to appreciate the work that we do, to, to uh, manipulate the books and to help us, Father God, to, to do the works that we have to do uh, to, in order to sustain our lives and to be able to eat food and to be able to seed into the kingdom, Father God, for that would please our Father. And we praise you, Father God, because we understand through John uh, 14, uh, 12, uh, uh, 13 and 14, I believe it is. Uh, no, no, no. Yes, 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 I think it is. Uh, for, um, 
where it says uh, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And Father, we want to glorify you in all things that we do, and we ask you for this divine protection, the assignment of these angels, to work on our behalf, to ferret out all of the darkness, to close it down before it even affects us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, and we thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that we that every one of our prayers, every uh, every utterance of praise, every moment of prayer that we spend no matter where it is and what time of the day it is or what part of the day it is. Father, we pray that it is surrounded by your holy fire and divine protection for we know that it horrifies. And indeed it horrifies. The principalities, the powers, the spiritual host of wickedness, the rulers of darkness in high places, the second order demons. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in high places in the spiritual realm. And wrestling is not a passive sport. We are here to do you harm. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, we declare the power of the Holy Spirit. We declare the power of the Holy Fire. We declare the power of the name of Jesus to be on our side as we stand against the forces of darkness and all of the things that they would will against us or any of our loved ones or any of our fellow brothers and sisters in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we abandon ourselves into your hands. Do with us what you will. Whatever you may do, we praise your holy name. For we are ready for all, and we accept all. But only your will be done in us, Father God, in all of us. We wish no more than this, Father. Into your hands we commit our soul, we commit our spirit, and we offer it to you with all of our with the love of our heart. For we love you, Father God, we love you, Father God, we love you, Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord Jesus. For have we ever said, have we ever told you you are our hero? You're everything we would love to be. And if we could fly higher than an eagle, you are the wind beneath our wings. For you are our Abba Father, and we will glorify you forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Looking for a scripture real quick here. Hold on just a second. Well, where did I put it? Well, I know where to find it. It's okay to have multiple copies. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Got to find it. There it is. No, that's not the one I want. The one I want is, I'm thinking here, praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Ah, yes. Ah, beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. So, what I was looking for was John ten twenty nine. John ten twenty nine. Okay, thank you, Jesus. 
All right. Awesome. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Now, the most popular part of this passage is John 10.30. I and the Father are one. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Here we go. Let me put it right here. Sticking it in the prayer vigil notes. They're ver- My prayer vigil notes are very distracting to me because um, John 10.24... That's 25, so that would mean this is John 10, 25, actually. John 10, 25. There we go. Praise God. This is cool. I want to share this with you because you can carry it with you. Many of us, because of how dark the days are that we are in right now, um, and... You might question, but I, I will I will share this with you. We we are actually living the, the Bible sort of like a newspaper. And there's so many parts of the Bible that we are living in right now that it would take probably ten three hour radio shows to cover all the scriptures adequately. But in Daniel seven twenty five, it's talking about the Antichrist, who we know is Obama. We also know that in the book of Daniel it talks about him having no interest in women, so he's a homosexual, which we all know that Obama is in the most egregious manner. Um, I won't get into all that. But anyway, um, it says in Daniel 7.25, which I believe, the verse of Daniel 7, verse 25, is actually speaking about the days that we are in right now. Now, many many of the scriptures are talking about the days that we're in. All of the Olivet Discourse, all of Revelation chapter 6 is talking about the days that we're in right now. And probably many, 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 many other parts of the Bible, I would suspect. But this is definitely talking about right now. And it says, he, Obama, shall speak pompous words against the Most High. Well, we already know that he did that. Um, I think it was during uh, his uh, uh, time, his illegal period as the president, which was completely forged. We all know that. It was an utter lie, such as the one that exists now. And um, just filthy, just so filthy, words can't describe, just so filthy and abominable, in all possible manner of the word. Um, I found out today that Obama was under suspicion of uh, back during the days that he, this was actually before he was, uh, I, I don't remember exactly when, but I, but he was under, he was actually under investigation for, um, what do they call it? Uh, oh yeah, serial murders. How about that, huh? Yeah. Barry Satoro was under investigation in the United States for serial murder. You know, as with, as if the other abominations aren't bad enough. So anyway, um, yeah, it takes a special kind of hatred in your heart to, to you know, yeah, so that's on a whole nother level. Anyway, so it says, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High. Well, we know that when he was in the presidency, during one of the uh, 9-11 ceremonies, he uh, read Psalm 46, you know, have I not said that, you know, I am God, you know, or, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll jump back and forth. I will. Um, praise God. So uh, we go to Psalm. 46, and this is what Obama read. 
God is our refuge and our strength, a very present uh, uh, help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why? I got the wrong one. Um, doggone it. This has to be the wrong one. Let me wait, hold on a second. Oh. What he read was Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. Oh, and by the way, Obama's brother, Malik, who lives in, uh, still lives in Kenya, is on Twitter, and, he's, and he even told he tells people openly, he's like, the man thinks he's a god. <laughs> I'm like, uh, uh, that's pretty interesting, all things considered. But anyway, he said, be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Oh, hmm. And we go to Daniel 7.25. He shall speak pompous things, pompous words against the Most High. Well, what would that be called? But it would be, what did he just do? He put himself in God's position, didn't he? Yes, he did. And it goes on. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High. Hello? Raise your hand. Wave it high. And it's going to get worse. Hopefully we're out of here before that. I'm hoping. I hope that you hope, too. Maybe the more that we hope, where two or three are gathered together, hoping a lot of hope, it shall be given them. Okay, maybe not exactly that way. But anyway, praise God. And shall intend to change times and the law. Well, guess what? Look at all the laws that Obama and the entity that refers to itself as Biden, which is really a uh, convalescent, pants-pooping child rapist, shall intend to change change times and the law fascinating what have we ha- what have we here what's happening do you, do, you, do you remember i don't know if you remember but do you remember when i played the testimony of the prime minister i believe it was of hungary and he basically said that Trump never did this, but the Democrats, when they're in power in Washington, impose forcefully their aberrant, unacceptable beliefs on other countries. There are a number of country leaders, presidents, prime ministers, who have come forward and publicly stated United States, get you and your LGBT homosexual garbage out of our country. And many of them are siding with the BRICS nations, with Russia, China. Um, now, I don't know about China, but uh, anyway. But it goes, And he shall intend to change times at times in the law. Those three sentences, which I would refer to doing what I do for a living, I would call them clauses, clauses. So when you have a run-on sentence, which is essentially, well, this isn't really, a, this, what this is, is it's, let me see, it's one long, one run-on sentence with three clauses, and then a second sentence with, with, uh, with only one clause. A clause is a thought baked into a sentence that you can separate out and analyze. So in Daniel 25, the first verse, or, you know, the first, 
part of it. It says, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, comma, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, comma, and shall intend to change times in the law, period. Okay, what you have is three clauses, three separate thoughts, baked into one sentence. Three clauses. Got it? Then it says, period. Then there's another sentence after that, and it says, then the saint shall be given into his hand for times, times, and half a time. When is that? Is that now? No, it's not. That is during the Great Tribulation. That is during, uh, you know, when uh, Satan is cast out of heaven with all of his fallen angelic creatures from the Black Lagoon, these filthy, filthy, disgusting entities. And, um, yeah, it's just too disgusting for words. But anyway, praise God. Isn't it fascinating when we take a second look at the Scripture, knowing the things that God has gifted us with right now? I'm sorry for moving the mic boom around. I'm sure it's... Um, i got to check this out here real quick for you. Oh, my goodness, I have to order this. Oh, praise Jesus. Okay, so like if you go to L-O-J-O-I-L.com, Lindy Pierce's uh, line of Judah oil, L-O-J-O-I-L, and you pick out a decanter, you know, a little bottle. Um, I learned my lesson. I don't buy the biggest bottle anymore because the scent runs out faster than you can use the bottle up. So I buy another one that's a little bit smaller. But here, let me tell you a little secret that I learned. Oh, and no pun intended. So Lindy always sends um, tester scents, right? So she, because she wants you to know about what the other scents smell like, right? So she always sends like a couple of extra tester scents so you can like check them out and see which ones you like the most, right? Well, um, the one that I have here, it's a tester scent, is called The Secret Place. <laughs> man, oh man, I could go swimming in that. Praise God, The Secret Place. It's like vanilla. I love vanilla. I mean, I love vanilla. Almost to a, I don't know, I can't even explain it. It's, I love vanilla. Even when I was a kid, everybody else was getting chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla twist ice cream cones at Twisty Treat, and I just wanted vanilla. <laughs> just give me vanilla. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. So let's move on. We're at 9 o'clock. Let's see how far we can get. How far can we go? Glory to Jesus. Courts of Heaven scriptures. First Peter 2.9. So we're going to go back to the olden days, and we're going to go through the courts of heaven scriptures, and we're going to chisel our way through what we did pretty regularly in days gone by. I think it's time to repeat, rinse and repeat. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. 
Now, for those of you who have listened to preachers and teachers out there tell you that a generation is 80 years old and then they try to do some calculation about when Israel became uh, recognized or, you know, the Six-Day War or whatever, and then they go 80 plus 80 plus 80 plus 80 equals this, and then they hypothesize that this is going to be the date of Jesus' return and all that kind of stuff. This scripture actually proves that their math is exceedingly faulty. Because if you think about it, this was, when was this written? Thousands of years ago. So when Peter, when this was re- revealed through the Holy Spirit to the, to, to the scribe who wrote it, but you are a chosen generation. Talking to the people that were between the age of zero and 80 at the time it was written? Oh, no, he wasn't, obviously, because it applies to us, to thousand plus years later. So the 80-year rule fails. Sorry. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. This is awesome. Ezekiel 22.30. Again, these are the courts practicing prayer before the courts of heaven. And let me tell you something. Just like any other, uh, uh, you know, um, magist or lawyer, Now, Jesus is the mediator. He is the lawyer in the courts of heaven. But as we bring our petitions into the courts of heaven for uh, to bring them before the judge, the Most High, our El Elyon, our Most High Heavenly Father, the judge of all, Hebrews 12.22, the judge of all, and he's also Yavael. A lot of people don't know that. In the Bible, if you do your proper reading, you will discover the words Yavael. That is God of God. So let me see if I can find that. Maybe I'll get lucky. I don't mean lucky, but blessed. Yah-va-el. Praise God. And we'll see if it comes up. Hallelujah. Might not. I'll try it again. Um, type in the word Bible. And I am not coming up with it. I know it's in there. I know I've seen it. Yah-va-el. But anyway, it's in there. Um, I'll just have to uh, revive my PC study Bible. I'm not going to do that right now. Let's focus on the courts of heaven scriptures so we can move through these. Ezekiel 22:30, very important. Jesus, our, our heavenly Father or Jesus, they're one and the same. Said, so I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. See, that's very, 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 very important. Because how do you cover the most people? at one prayer session by praying for the land. When you pray for the individual, you can focus in on the individual problem, which is very good, and I recommend both. But when you're praying for the land, you're covering millions of people. That's pretty cool. So I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. By the way, this is standing. This concept of standing in the gap, this is the only place in the Holy Bible that this is covered. So that makes it especially important. All right. Matthew 18, 18. This is really, really powerful. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So you have to understand legal ease. Because our Father 
operates in the courts of heaven. He is the Most High. My house is shaking. This is really weird. That's creepy. And hold on a second. I'm just going to put my hand on the desk and see if it happens again. Okay. I guess not. That is weird. They don't have we don't have earthquakes in Florida. I hope I don't wake up tomorrow and find out there was like a 10 10.5 earthquake in like Haiti or something. All right, praise God. All right, let's go ahead and continue forward. So assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So in the world of legal, if you went and became a lawyer, if you want to become a lawyer, you would learn that there are binding contracts. So you bind clauses, you bind the contract, which makes it you know, ratified and officially legal, and enforceable, okay? And then you loose clauses. You loose, loose a clause, okay? So there are certain parts. So when Jesus came to the earth, he said, you have heard it said that with a piece of paper you can divorce your wife, but I say, he who divorces his wife for any other reason other than adultery makes her an adulteress. So what Jesus did was he raised the bar. He's like, hey, if I got to die on that cross, I'm raising the bar. But I say, get it? Okay. So when Jesus raised that bar and he said, but I say this or I say that, and he overrode the Old Testament, which is the old covenant, the old contract, he loosed those clauses, and he bound the new commandments of the love covenant. Why do I call it the love covenant? Well, if you think about it, what's the scripture say? Over and over and over again, that love is the fulfillment of the law. It's the love covenant. So these are legal terms, binding and loosing parts of a contract. A covenant is a contract. A covenant is a eternal contract. Eternal contract. John twenty twenty three. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Wow. That's some powerful stuff, isn't it? Daniel 9.19, O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, listen and act, and do not delay for your own sake, Daniel says to the Father, my God, and for your city and your people are called by your name, for your own sake. Our Father says in Isaiah 43.25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance and let us contend together. So why is that? For his own sake. 
He blots out his tra- our transgressions for his own sake, because our Father is holy, holy, holy. Three holies. So when the creation was being created, for he, our Father is the creator of creation, right? Now Lucifer was there. So when the darkness says things like he's the great architect of the universe, he was there at the time. But at that time, he was revered as the greatest created being. Jesus was begotten. So he was part of the Father. Kind of like an amoeba splitting. It can go back together, or it can separate. Or it can go back together, or it can separate. I've had conversations with people that were in heaven and actually saw Jesus walk inside our Father. And become one with him. Um, Hebrews 8.6. But now he, Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry. And as much as he is also the mediator, the lawyer, of a better contract. Oops, covenant. Eternal contract. Which was established on better promises. Cool. Zechariah 3, 1 through 7. It vividly paints out the pictures, uh, the picture of what it's like to be standing in one of the courts of heaven. And Zechariah looked up in the vision and he said, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua, verse 3, was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then our father answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away those filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, our father, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head. They put clean clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. And then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge over my courts. And I will give you places to walk here amongst these who stand here. By the way, if you have charge over the courts then you're really not even participating in the court processes, are you? You're like the Supreme Court over the courts, aren't you? You're the tiebreaker. If you have charge over the courts, you're in command of the courts. That's pretty heavy stuff. Very, very cool. Imagine that a high priest, Joshua the high priest, high priest, and he had filthy garments, iniquity, and it needed to be removed from him, even a high priest. Zechariah 2.5, For I, saith the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Ruh-roh. Fire of God. Which, by the way, is why the two witnesses shoot fire out of their mouths for 3.5 years, times, times, half time, 42 months, one hour. Take your pick which one of the metaphors you like the best. That fire is the fire of God. The two witnesses use the fire of God as the ultimate weapon against the enemy of darkness on the earth. Whoa. 
No, you say. Oh, yes, I do say. Praise God. Job 1, 9 through 10. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge of protection around him and his household and around everything that he has on every side? Wait a minute. Every side? Huh? How many sides are there? Oh. What if we don't pray for a hedge of protection and the holy fire of God around those whom we pray for on every side? Are we leaving them vulnerable, maybe? Me think so. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified in Christ, and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Which means, just like it says in Luke 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Holy moly, that was before Jesus died on the cross. There was no Pentecost back then. They came back mesmerized. Even the devils respond to your name. That's not possible. Yes, it is. Proverbs 6.17 When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I love that verse. If we weren't supposed to uh, avoid marking up our bodies, <laughs> and if I was the tattooing type, <laughs> I would want that one. Uh, but it would have to be a scrubby offie because I'm not into that kind of thing. Never have been. Uh, I don't, and nowadays, I don't even like to wear clever T-shirts because you probably get your, you know, we're supposed to avoid conflict. We're citizens of heaven. You know what I mean? I don't want to walk in, you know, with... Um, with a, with a uh, T-shirt that says donkey pox on it, you know, and, uh, you know, you're asking for it. I want to stay away from that. Anyway, praise God. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Uh, Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. And what's amazing to me is how other preachers and teachers will talk, they'll, they'll actually read this scripture, but it's almost like it doesn't register in their head. I don't understand it, but to me, it's it's like, okay, so like, let's look at it. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion. Okay, I'll stop. That's a Navy term. They use that term on, uh, you know, when they're about, the, when, when, they're, when you're on a sub, they call them bubbleheads. And when you're on a sub, uh, when they, they'll, they'll go like, ding, 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 I'll stop. And then the whole sub, then just stops in the water. That's how they, you know, avoid the jet depth charges and sonar finding them and all that kind of weirdness. But, you know, the subs are so advanced today, you don't have that problem. But I'm just saying, this is amazing because people miss it. It says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. I'm going to stop right now. Let's take a look at that. You have come to Mount Zion. You have come. You have come to Mount Zion. I don't remember going to Mount Zion, do you? Well, we have. It says right here that we have. You have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Where is that? It's in heaven. How could we have been there? How could we have come there? Because when we pray, 
We bind things on earth and they are bound in heaven. We loose things on earth and they're loosed in heaven. We are binding and loosing contracts in heaven when we are praying. In the courts of heaven, we are operating in the courts of heaven. So when it says here, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, right there it says to the heavenly Jerusalem. It doesn't say to the earthly Jerusalem. It says to the heavenly Jerusalem. Mount Zion and the city of the living God exist on planet heaven. Okay, and the heavenly Jerusalem is there. The new Jerusalem, when it comes to the earth, will be coming down from that location on heaven to park itself on this planet. And everybody's going to point it in and go, look, it's the Borg. Because it's a big cube. Really, really big. But I love that the scripture tells us that as the bride of Jesus Christ, we don't have to leave it. Because it says in Revelation 3.5, nope, sorry, 3.10, it says, Okay, it says, um, hold on a second. Yep, it says, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth, which, of course, the inference is that you're not on the earth, but you won't be. Then it goes on, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast to what you have. Let no one take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God, of, of my God, and he shall go out no more. Go out no more. Go out no more. Well, what does that mean? I'm here to tell you that it means that you're not going to have to leave the new Jerusalem during the new millennium. You can just hang out there. It's got to be totally cool. Come on. It's all kinds of, I'm sure there's incredible buffets, Indian buffets, Thai buffets, Chinese food, you know, you name it, fried chicken, whatever. It's got to be awesome. I don't even, I can't even imagine. And it's really, really big, too. So there's got to be, like, all kinds of stuff in there. So I'll be, like, you know, if I have to spend a thousand years in the New Jerusalem while it's parked on Earth, I'll be, like, totally cool with that. All right, praise God. But anyway, it goes on. It says right here, you have come to Mount Zion. Well, how can we come to Mount Zion if it's in heaven? The only way that you can is because you're operating in the courts of heaven through your prayers. There it is. To an innumerable company of angels. That's a bunch. To the General Assembly, the Congress, the General Assembly, the Congress, the General Assembly, the Congress, the General Assembly, the Congress of the Church of the Firstborn who are registered in heaven. To God, the Judge of all. To the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the Mediator, the Lawyer, the Advocate of the New Covenant, of the New Contract that's eternal. To the blood of the sprinkling of things that speak better things than that of Abel. Praise God. I don't understand why they put that last part in, but hey, evidently it's important. And I, I just run with it. Praise Jesus. All right. This is awesome stuff. Now you have Nehemiah in chapter one, verses five through eight, when he's praying. And this is powerful because Daniel does the same thing. It says your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Please, Father, let your ear be attentive to, and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray for you now, day and night. For the children of the Israel of your servant, and I confess of the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you. We have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances of which you have commanded your servant Moses. But he's confessing of the sins on behalf of the people of Israel. You can't do that. 
That's against all the rules. So go into any one of the churches, I don't care where it is in the world, in the entire earth, and find me one pastor that will go up to him and say, hey, is it okay if I confess of that person over there sin for them? And that pastor is going to go, absolutely not, because <laughs> they don't get it. They don't get the Daniel that it and, and it's just all over the Bible. It's amazing. I mean, can you imagine Daniel having to confess of his sins? Yup. All right. So anyway, here it shows you, okay, if it's not overridden by Jesus in the love covenant, then it stands. It's still in the contract. Well, none of this has been removed. Jesus is very clear about the things that he overrode. Okay, that he uh, loosed and bound with new commandments. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and move forward, forward, because um, time is of the essence. Praise you, Jesus. And we are going to scroll down. I want to get through this. Oh, man. See, I love the Bible so much, and I've made the show notes. It used to take me about three swirls of the mouse scrolly bar or scrolly wheel to get to the end and now it's like it's got to be like 80 because <laughs> that's how many scriptures and prophecies i jammed in here all right praise god thank you jesus now hold on let me look oh, 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 oh i went too far i went too far gotta go back hallelujah thank you jesus oh wait a minute where is it let me think Yes, it is actually after communion. It's after communion. Praise you, Lord. Okay, so remember how I used to say this all the time after communion, right after we did communion, which we can do still. We have enough time, I think. So on that note, let's go into communion. Praise Jesus. Here we go. I can only imagine the thunder of sound as the 
you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who 
were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. Titus 1.15 To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Think real hard about that. God's judgments are righteous. So while the rest of the body of Christ is going, look what Satan done! To the pure, all things are pure. For at midnight we will rise to give thanks to you, Father, because of your righteous judgments. Psalm 116, 15. And of course, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Praise God. Job 13.15, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Matthew 26.39, Jesus went a little farther, and he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 1 Timothy 3.16, God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon in the world, and received up in the glory. That's the scripture that you want to give to any of the Jehovah's Witnesses that stop on by. Because they think Jesus and Satan, you know, Jesus and Lucifer are like brothers. <laughs> like, no. First Timothy 3.16. And by the way, show them the Greek for God. It's Theos, which means God. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, anyway. All right, we pray for purification based upon Psalm 51, 1 through 14. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you will have mercy upon us according to your loving kindness and according to your tender mercies. Blot out our transgressions, please, Father, for they are many. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us, Father, from our sin. Father God, 
We acknowledge our transgressions. We know our sin is always before us. Against you, you only, we have sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, Father, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you will make us to know your wisdom, your wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. Purge us all, Father, with your hyssop. Father, make us all completely clean. Wash us. Make us whiter than snow. Praise your name. Help us to hear joy and gladness in our hearts that the trials and tribulations that have broken our bones metaphorically can rejoice. Hide your face from our sins and blot out all of our iniquity. Create in us, Father God, a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Let us not grieve the Holy Spirit. Father, help us. We praise you. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and uphold us with your generous spirit. And then we will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Oh, Father, deliver us from the guilt of bloodshed. Oh, Father, the Lord of our salvation, deliver us from the guilt of our past sin, and our tongues shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani, Madodi, Madodi Lee, 
I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine.
masters of the devil, and we are the servants and foot watchers of mankind. Ezekiel 22.30, so I sought for a man amongst them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. Isaiah 6.8, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send who will go for us? Father, here we are. Send us. Dean 12 to 14. Most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I have gone unto my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it especially if the Father is glorified in the Son by it. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. 
Now to Jesus, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Until we understand who we are in the kingdom and the power that we have, you'll never be as effective as you ought to be in your prayer life or serving the Lord in any capacity. We have the power of the Godhead. But we do need to know how to use it. Colossians 2.15, Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In other words, he humiliated them in an example of them. Intensified prevailing prayer. Intensified prevailing prayer is God's ordained law and method for implementing his redemptive plan in this age until Jesus returns. It is the highest, the holiest, and the muddiest effort of which a child of God is capable. I'm going to repeat that. We think that our wagging of our fingers and flapping our lips is somehow more meaningful than prayer. That's a big whoopsie-daisy. Again, prayer is the highest, holiest, and mightiest effort of which a child of God is capable. It is God's chosen way to bring heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's angels into action upon the earth. Charles Spurgeon said, He who knows how to overcome with God in prayer has heaven and earth at his disposal. Intensified, intensified, fervent prayers. Hallelujah. Intensified prayer is clothed with the might of God himself. Wow. Sounds kind of powerful. From the book Mighty Prevailing Prayer, James 5.16b, the second half, says, The effective, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails much. Fervent meaning having or displaying a passionate intensity. Not mamby-pamby and, Dear Lord, make that mean old demon go away. Sorry, fail. And go work. Demons are going to stay. Demons don't respond to that. Neither does our Father. Impassioned, passionate, intense, vehement, ardent, sincere, fervent, and heartfelt. That's how our prayers need to be. Praise God. That's how you pray through. Pray through. That's how you open up the open heavens, how your prayers and your praise turns into a holy fire, like a fire tornado. And all the principalities and the powers and the spiritual host of wickedness and rulers of darkness and high places and the demons of darkness and the workers of Satan scatter. They scatter and run for their lives. They are scared to death of the holy fire of God. That's the weapon I want. Y'all can have whichever one you want. I'll take the holy fire. We cast out demons, Mark sixteen seventeen to 18. And these signs will, doesn't say maybe, doesn't say might. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. How long has it been since you cast out any demons? Don't make me go Leonard Ravenhill on you. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
All right. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. And they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, by the way, the word drink actually means to ingest. So when Paul was on the island of Malta and the, and the deadly viper bit his hand and he just shook it off his hand and all of the natives were going, holy moly, he's going to drop dead any second now. And Paul just kept on talking about Jesus and it didn't have any effect on him. That qualifies for this word drink. If we ingest anything deadly, it will by no means hurt us. Oh, but they're shedding, they're shedding. Run for your life. If you ingest anything deadly, it will by no means hurt you. You know, either you believe in the Bible or you don't. I mean, really, you just got to you got to reconcile these things. And we're in a dark age right now that if we don't believe in the Bible and have faith and know that we 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 know that this stuff isn't going to hurt us? Hmm? Oh, but I saw brother so-and-so something something, and I'm like, no, forget about it. This is between you and God and your faith, and you're believing the Word of God and walking in it. Walk in that power. Know who you are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not earthly. They're not earthly. They're not guns. They're not pepper spray. They're not bear pepper spray. They're not none of that. Not, no, no stung, none of that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing. There's your key words right there. High thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. High thing. Why high thing? Principalities, power, spiritual hosts of wickedness, and rulers of darkness in what? High places. High thing. Get it? That's what it's talking about. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the power of the, power, uh, the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For, you, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities. We wrestle against powers. We wrestle against rulers of darkness of this age. We wrestle against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly high places. Sorry. Heavenly is a <clears throat> inappropriate translation. <sighs> Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. Praise God. All right. Then you go to Luke 10, verse 19. Behold, Jesus said to the 70 sinners, there was no cross. There was no Pentecost. There was diddly. Okay. And so he's like looking out at the multitude of the sinners that are standing there. And he says, you guys team up two by two and you go down, the, go down the street and go into all these different villages. And you say, peace be unto you. And, if they, and if, they, if they tell you to leave, then you just dust off the sandals on your feet and woe be unto them. You know, I don't even want to repeat it because I'd hate to think that that would happen to anybody. But anyway, they came back and they were all like flipping out and going, even the demons respond to your name. And Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all not just some, all the power of the enemy. And nothing, I'm sorry, I thought maybe shedding could hurt me. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh, I love the Bible. I believe the Bible. I believe every single word. I've gone, I've traveled all over the world on airplanes when all this stuff was happening the last time. It's coming again. There's indications, I'm just letting you know, there are powerful indications from the White House and from other highly, highly credible all over the world that by the middle of September, we will be on full lockdown. 
In fact, I was listening to my scanner the other day. I have a very, very, very powerful scanner. It gets federal, it's FEMA, it gets military, it gets it gets everything. And I was listening to uh, EMTs picking up people going, uh, we just picked that around and present positive for COVID, having difficulty breathing, our ATA is, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it's happening again. Mark 9.25, when people saw Je- when Jesus saw people come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to a deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. There's an exclamation point there. Notice that Jesus talked directly to the demon. Get out! That's what we do. Anything else does not work. Period. Hang it up. Go home. Forget about it. Ain't going to work. But Lord... No. Jesus set the example. We're supposed to follow the example. We're supposed to talk to the mountain. Be thou cast into the sea. All right. So then Matthew twelve twenty eight says, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come, to, come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his good unless he first binds his strong man? Then he will plunder his house. The house is the human body, the temple body. The strong man is the head of the snake. That is, it's a hierarchy. They run in packs, just like wolves. Okay, and there's always a wolf in the wolf pack that is the head of the wolf pack. I don't know what they call it. I forget what they call it. But anyway, there's a wolf that's the head. You take out the head of the snake, and all the other wolves will go, they'll be like little puppies and poodles going, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. That's what you want. So you say, strong man, come out. Come forth in the name of Jesus Christ. Subordinate spirits, out now in Jesus' name. And you decree warrior angels to descend upon them, to strike them deaf, blind, and dumb, place them under arrest, and cast them into the pit. You declare the fire of God, the weld the pit shut. And you plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. Matthew twelve forty three says, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. It's because you casted all the demons out. Then the demon goes and gets seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. So they go back in the person. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. So shall it be with this wicked generation. That's why Jesus said to the man, Now go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we got five minutes left, which is enough to pray for all the people in the entire continent of Europe which is very troubled right now. Everybody's troubled. Europe is in deep dung, really deep. Um, I won't get into all the things that I know about what's going on in Europe because that would take too long. But I will tell you that Greece, holy moly, let's hold that one up as an example. Some of the worst wildfires in the world ever, and now they're having some of the worst floods. I was looking at some of the pictures of the floods that are taking place in Greece right now, and they're over the, they're over the top of the roofs of the houses. It's absolutely horrible. So let's lift up Europe because that also includes the Ukraine. What a mess. But for those of us who know what's really going on over there, 
quite frankly, it's a mess that they deserve every bit of. Now, not everybody there, not everybody's involved in that, but yes, they're full of Nazis and they're real Nazis and they do kill people and they do horrible things. And they're, they're no, they're real, genuine, bona fide, Heil Hitler Nazis, except they followed a guy by the name of Bandera who followed Hitler and slaughtered entire villages of Ukrainians, proudly so, and they're still there. And they're the ones who bomb the Russian-speaking Ukrainians. How dare you speak Russian in our country? We will kill you and we will kill your children. And Russia said enough is enough. 14,000 murdered children and, and families is enough. We've had it up to here. And I'm glad. I'm glad they're over there straightening out that mess and humiliating NATO and humiliating poopy pants Biden and the, and the Antichrist. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the second seal. Behold a red horse. Hallelujah. Okay, let's go ahead and pray for the people of the lands of Europe. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold up symbolically before you, Father, a golden cup of forgiveness. We hold it up for you and we, we ask you, Father, out of the kindness of your mercy, we know that you would want not one to perish. Please, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Please, pour out this golden bowl of forgiveness upon each and every one of the people, the good and the bad, from the north to the south to the east and the west, from the far western sides of Ireland to the far eastern sides of the Donbass, from the far northern sides of Norway to the far southern sides of Cyprus and all lands in between. In the name of Jesus, Father, forgive them. Father, we confess of their sins before Thee. We confess of the sins of their first fathers and their fathers' fathers until before there was time. We break all yokes of bondage. We renounce all things spoken of in the darkness against them. We break all generational and bloodline curses on behalf of throughout every one of their family trees until before there was time. In Jesus' name. Principalities, powers, and strongholds, spiritual hosts of wickedness and rulers of darkness in high places, we come against you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We call down fire swords of cherubim that cut you into pieces. We declare fire of God to launch down from the glory pillar and to burn you into screaming agony. And we decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels, diamond-tipped swords, sarpas, razor blades, and archangels to follow to wage war against you such as never been seen since before there was time. Unclean spirits, deaf and dumb spirits, strongmen, come forth. Subordinate spirits, out now. In the name of Jesus, we decree hundreds of trillions of legions of warrior angels to strike you deaf, blind, and dumb, place you under arrest, and cast you into the pit. We declare the fire of God to weld the pit shut. We declare the fire of God to permeate the pit and to burn you into screaming agony, making a public example of and we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit. Father, we declare the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit on all sides of the peoples of the lands of Europe. Let nothing unclean re-enter the clean-swept house. And we decree the crystal river, the living water, the abundant grace of God to enter into their heart, to fertilize the soil, that they shall receive the seeds of these prayers, and these prayers will bear fruit, and the fruit will remain. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray that you will send an innumerable company of angels of light and love in the presence of the Lord Jesus upon each of them so that they will be saved in their dreams and their visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction in accordance with Job 33, verses 14 and 15, King James. Thank you, everybody, for joining us tonight. God bless you. We'll see you next Friday, Lord willing. Hallelujah.
and heart. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? For you 